be on. It is good to be be on. Lots going on, as you know, in the world of of cannabis and those of us who are out there enjoying uh, and imbibing and partaking. uh, We are going to be doing these on Wednesday afternoons at 421 because we don't want people to think that we're going to be here at 420 celebrating cannabis in a way that may be irresponsible. So I like to be a responsible talk show host. You. Why? <laughs> Isn't that the, why? Can't we start one minute earlier and do what we're supposed to do at 420? I'm really confused by the business model here. I will say we're this. We're supposed to support it. We are supporting cannabis. Excuse me. I'm supporting Tommy Chong right here and his tinctures. Okay. And if you took a a blood test, yes, I have THC and CBD and all those other cannabinoids in my system right now. Okay. Are you happy now? All right. Yeah, I'd be happier if it were 420 and we were doing this together, but I got mine in before we got on air. So it's it's there you go. 421 nonetheless. There you go. And uh, we are going to be doing this on LinkedIn and I am going to be monitoring. I'm going to try to monitor our chat room on LinkedIn. Uh, This is going to be a regular thing that we do here on Pro Cannabis Media. We live stream 24-7 on our website, Pro Cannabis Media. It also comes from our Roku channel, which is PCM TV, and also the Apple Plus streaming app platform. And if anybody can find that, please email me at jimmy at procannabismedia.com. Dave, talk about your show tonight. You know, one of the things that maybe people don't know is your background a little bit. I don't care about my background. Your background is so much more impressive than mine. You got the opportunity not only to cover the greatest sports city in America, Boston, from 04 to 08, but you've also had gigs at CNN and Fox and Turner Sports, NBC Sports, I mean, you've had a great run. Why are you talking about cannabis now? Well, I think it's because of that background that I have and my frustration with the mainstream media and not just how they cover cannabis. Frankly, how they cover everything, I think, is disappointing to 30, 40 percent of the country. Just look at politics. The way they cover everything to me is disappointing. But cannabis is something that I had personal experiences with late in life. And I don't feel like I should have to tiptoe around it. It has helped me. It has helped me in my life. It has saved people's lives. In fact, my guest tonight is Darren McCarty, a four-time Stanley Cup champ, a Red Wings legend, and frankly, one of the toughest motherfuckers you will ever come across on the ice. I think we're allowed to swear. We're just online, We'll we'll find out, won't we? (laughs) He says cannabis saved his life. And so I thought... I want to help normalize these conversations, destigmatize cannabis, educate people, and I want to do it primarily in the beginning through the voices of sports. And that's why we've had on Megatron Calvin Johnson, Paul the Truth Pierce, Gary Payton, all three Hall of Famers, mind you, who are also cannabis business owners. Darren McCarty is a cannabis business owner. I also had on two professors. Dr. Carl Hart from Columbia, who studied drug use for the last 30 years, and Joanna Zeiger, who is a canner research doctor in Boulder, Colorado, a former U.S. Olympian. Honestly, of all those five people, I find her story the most compelling, Jimmy, because she was anti-cannabis her whole life. She felt like, I can't go near it. I'm an athlete. I'm a doctor. I can't dare go near it. And then one day she suffered a devastating injury and she had been studying cannabis at the time as a doctor. But as she says, I was studying marijuana then. Once I had this devastating injury 
and people finally opened my eyes to how cannabis could help me recover better than anything she had ever tried throughout all of medicine, she said, then I started studying cannabis from marijuana to cannabis. And she said it changed her life. And now she is studying the positive impacts instead of the negative impacts of marijuana. So I think sports can really be an agent of change in the conversations we have around cannabis. And that's why I'm starting with primarily all those athletes, current and former. Yeah, and, and it's a great place to start. You know, uh, we've certainly seen in the last uh, few years how the athletes have embraced their roles and their positions in our society to perhaps take a leadership role in some of the societal changes that have uh, reared their ugly heads. Uh, and, and we've continued to see them uh, in a platform like the Olympics over the last few weeks as well. Maybe not as much as I thought we would see. Uh, however, we have seen a few. And that being said, sports has always been a reflection of what goes on in society. And you know the role that race has played in the world of cannabis, filling our jails with those who've been most impacted on the war on drugs, that failed war on drugs. And now at least the attention is being drawn to what I believe is a true injustice in our world as far as this plant goes. I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think that's what's drawing some of these sports figures into it is that that they can help some of the wrongs, some right some of those wrongs. That's what Paul Pierce, Gary Payton, and, and Calvin Johnson are doing. But also, you know, they're just shining some light on the fact that they played with it their whole career. No one talked about it then, but Calvin Johnson, no one on the planet thinks Calvin Johnson is a burner and is not your traditional stoner. Whereas in all due respect, Paul Pierce is. He's a guy that grew up smoking weed and Calvin Johnson is not he discovered that it was the only thing that would help him recover from his pains and recover from the head injuries and the concussions. And then ironically, what made him want to be a cannabis business owner was he couldn't get through dancing with the stars because of the pain he had in his ankle and found the topicals, THC topicals are what got him through dancing with the stars. Darren McCarty's a guy that played with it his entire career. He smoked throughout his entire career there's a long story, which I can't tell on air, but tested positive dozens of times. Again, a long off the record story about why the NHL never actually punished him for that. But I think what the, the, the really interesting testing ground is the NHL, because everyone knows there's a cannabis uh, culture in the NBA and lesser so in the NFL. Hockey, there is lesser so. But Canada has legal recreational weed. And in 22 NHL cities, marijuana is legal recreational. I think there's only two NHL towns that you don't have access to medical or recreational. So I think the NHL, although there's not a cannabis culture there and there's primarily white athletes, could end up being the most friendly because of Canada. You know, it's funny, you mentioned uh, the culture in the NFL, and that is an interesting league in so many ways, okay? Um, I've interviewed a few NFL players who've admitted that they too have played NFL games under the influence of cannabis. And I think that was one of the discussions you had with, I think it was uh, the doctor, is it Zeiger or Zeigler? How do you? That's right, Zeiger. Zeiger, um, about it being a 
performance enhancing plant or not. And I think that we all recognize that it, it pro it's more for recovery than it is for performance enhancement. Agreed? Right. And that's why the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and Major League Soccer no longer suspend athletes for positive tests. Why they even test for it, I don't know. I think they just feel largely compelled to. But there really is a don't ask, don't tell mentality in all North American professional sports, which is a positive thing. They're not about to suspend anybody for smoking weed. Now, when you have some guys that have real problems, that's when they do get involved. But clearly the leagues are taking their hands off of this issue. The NFL has now contributed a million dollars toward a pain research study, which I think will go a long way. But I think there's going to be a game-changing moment the next week, Jimmy. Uh, my conversation with Calvin Johnson, yep. which you can oh. still see on Pro Cannabis Media, I asked him, I said, are you going to mention marijuana in your Hall of Fame speech? He gets inducted this week. And right. he said, heck yeah, I am. I'm putting my life into this. I am going to mention it in my Hall of Fame speech. And I was stunned at that because the NFL certainly does not want that happening. And I said, are you approving that speech? And he said, I don't care what they say. I will mention it. And if he does, that will be a huge eye opener in the NFL and for the industry as well. I bet he's wearing a logo, a primitive logo somewhere on. Primitive is the name of his dispensary in, in Michigan. I believe that he's doing with his former teammate, Rob Sims, right? Yeah, he, he's got a cultivation business and a dispensary and hopes to add another. But I'll tell you what, that will be a real eye-opener, in particular if the media does cover that portion of his speech. Now, I'm guessing there will be a tendency to sweep it under the rug with the ESPNs of the world. But I have noticed real sports uh, on HBO. They featured Al Harrington of Viola, um, mm -hmm. former NBA player. They featured him on their show recently. Um, Bob Costas, back on the record. He was laughing with Charles Barkley back and forth about having smoked weed. It's starting to become more a part of the conversation. And I think at least those outlets, the HBOs of the world, the bar stools, I think it'll be huge if Calvin Johnson name checks cannabis in his Hall of Fame speech. And I'll bet he will. Yeah, no, it should be it should be interesting. And, and I and again, it's another step towards normalization. And I think that's what most of the people in the industry want to see is create look at the alcohol world. And then you look at the cannabis world. And there are two different entities. I actually wrote a blog when we first built pro cannabis media about in 1937, the wrong drug was named illegal. Okay, uh, if they had kept alcohol under wraps and made it illegal and prohibited and prohibition didn't work because everybody snuck around and there were speakeasies and and enjoying the, and imbibing with the moonshine in the backyard and all that but if, imagine if you had to sell alcohol as a as a adult use vehicle in 2021 how in the world are you going to sell that to the public that a product like alcohol okay that can kill you if you take too much of it okay how do you how would you sell that right and, and you compare it to cannabis there's so much science and research behind this now it is amazing and i also want to make sure i always balance mm -hmm. things dave this is important because i want to make sure i i preach responsible use of the product i really do it is a wellness 
product. It is designed, it has been put on this earth by God to, it, to interact with our endocannabinoid system. And I don't plan on using a lot of big words. It's this system inside all mammals that, that controls our pleasure centers and our pain center. And Lord knows there's a, you know, no gain, no pain, right? Pain and pleasure go, go together. And it's all related to how your brain gets those neurotransmitters going to create either the pleasure or the pain threshold. And it allows it to interact with that. And it's one of the reasons why if I were to uh, partake with a, a bong hit or a pre-roll or a tincture, and it wouldn't do anything to me. And then I share the same amount with someone else and they can't really move after a few minutes. That's the point. It affects everybody differently, right, Dave? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and back to your larger point about how in the world could you sell alcohol today if you're on a level playing field with cannabis, right. you could not. Look, I drink. It's poison. Right. It, I, I love alcohol on the occasional drink, but I, I can't tell you how I feel the next morning after two or three drinks compared to if I have a couple of hits on a pen or a pre-roll where I have no noticeable impact. People like the Dr. Joanna Zeiger said they couldn't sleep for months until they found the impacts of a nice edible before they go to bed. But it's more than that. It's more than alcohol, which is not just legal. It's glamorized. It's spread across social media. It's celebrity um, glamorized. But talk about pharmaceuticals. And this is where the athletes really want right. to get involved. Mm -hmm. Darren McCarty, Calvin Johnson, Paul Pierce, all of them say, and I covered the Patriots for many years, where pharmaceuticals were available by a fistful. It was a freaking Halloween candy bowl full of pharmaceuticals. So don't even compare it to alcohol. Compare it to the pills that we are cramming down the throats of professional athletes to get them out on the field. And also, I know this is a little bit more controversial, but some of the pills were cramming down the throats of our children when cannabis could quite frankly save their lives and is saving lives of kids around the world. And I wish we could talk about those cases a little bit more. I wish those were publicized by the media because there are hundreds of stories of kids' lives who have been turned around by this powerful plant. You know, you mentioned the media. Um, I've got 40 years in this. You've got 30 odd years. Am I right? 30 odd years? You're, you're much uh, younger than me. No, tw 20, 25. Yeah, 25. Okay, sorry about that. Didn't mean to put add more years on you. <laughs> uh, the point is balance. You know, we have seen a change in media now that the consumer is in charge of their use of media when they want it, where they want it, how they get it. You know, back in the day, certainly in my day with the three networks, you made appointments to view the news on a regular basis. And the news was balanced reporting because it was about facts. Now it's about ratings. It's about who can build the most sensational stories and be and add an opinion to them and slant it towards their audience. And this is what this is one of the reasons why I started this company is is to give an opportunity for people to tell their stories in a comfortable professional environment and not be attacked for the use of a plant, right? I mean, and and you've heard these stories, ah, cannabis saved my life, cannabis changed my life. When was the last time you watched a news show that actually had a story as powerful as that or the or the story about the parent who has to go to jail because they were busted because they had to get medicine for their kids? And I don't know a parent on earth that wouldn't have done the same thing for their child. 
right? And and then I hear the legislators out there, the prohibitionists talking about, oh, we got we to gotta keep, think about the kids, think about the kids. We need to educate the kids. We have an amazing opportunity here as parents yeah. and adults to educate young people about the use of adult use products. And by the way, that goes for caffeine too. Okay, the most used drug in our society that nobody even considers to be a drug. Trust me, folks, it's a drug. Okay, how do you feel after a couple of I'm days without coffee? To it. Right, exactly. Yeah. A couple of days, I can't go a single day without <laughs> caffeine, whereas cannabis, and I, I have a colleague who's actually within 20 feet of me right now that does feel that cannabis is addictive. And I said, oh, well, let me challenge you on that. Were you once addicted to alcohol? Yes. Were you addicted to some other substances? I think there are addictive personalities that can become hooked to cannabis, but it's a thing I can put down for a week, two weeks, or a month if I need to, whereas caffeine, not a single day can go by without a devastating, debilitating headache, and I have to cure that. Now, we do need to have a conversation, though, about minors using cannabis. That needs to be part of legalization, and maybe right. it's not part of the conversation enough because I do know that at least in my state of Connecticut, it is dramatically on the rise, kids 16 and older. And, and frankly, if my kid were 18, and I'm just saying this, uh, I have no problem saying this, if my kid were 18, I would rather them smoke weed than drink alcohol. I would be less concerned about them having a little smoke and getting behind the wheel than I would if they had a couple of drinks and got behind the wheel. But I don't want kids between the ages of 15 and 18 going anywhere near it. I think that is harmful on the development of the brain. Just look at me. I don't have much left. Hey, excuse me. <laughs> you know, I'm pointing the finger at myself, believe it or not. My arthritic fingers, by the way. Uh, and, and, and again, that is why I have gotten my medical card is I've got arthritis. I got to deal with it. And but I will challenge you on one thing. There is an incredible study now in the legal states of Colorado and Washington, the first two states in the union to legalize adult use of cannabis. Both states show a decline in usage among teenagers. And again, it goes to education, okay? It really does. If you tell a child not to do something, Dave, what's the child gonna do when you turn your back? Touch the stove. <laughs> right? Try the alcohol. Mom and dad are away. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to invite my friends over. They're going to bring their weed. We're going to have a party. We're going to do this. This is what kids do. Don't kid yourself, people. It happens everywhere. And if you start it with an educational process, it is why in Europe they grow up, they introduce alcohol, wine, usually wine or beer, yeah. into the teen years because they want to explain to them the dangers of overuse of it. And they don't have as many alcoholics in Europe as we do in America. There's something yep. it's because of how that culture accepts it. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of changes, Dave. This is the fact that you and I can have this kind of an open conversation over the internet on social media platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube. And by the way, some of those are not very friendly to the cannabis community, right? Well, that, that's, exa that's exactly what I was going to say. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I you can, by the way, it's a talk show. My God, it's a talk show, Dave. Don't you know we're supposed to talk over each other? <laughs> I'm used to television. Um, but no, I, I will say I, I have noticed a lot of the shadow banning on Instagram. I've had a real difficulty building uh, the following for the conversation because anything I would post with any hashtag or even without the hashtag cannabis or marijuana or cannabis industry or weed, any 
derivative of the word. Not sometimes my post would disappear, but always the entire caption would disappear. And a post without a caption, unless you happen to be the rock, is not going to get any traction. And I just find that stunning because I'm not posting things about getting high as Jesus and, and, and doing stupid shit. I'm talking about having educated conversations with smart people about right. the plant, which is largely for most people at the moment is still a medicine. And I'm part of this campaign called iCannabis over at Cureleaf, really excited about it. And what they want to do is straight up educate people and normalize it and do what you want to do, which is destigmatize conversations around cannabis, which is the goal of the conversation. And they're having trouble running into the shadow banning, the disappearing of posts. And this is one of the largest companies in the industry, a $9 billion company. I think we need to challenge Instagram. We need to challenge Facebook. I think LinkedIn is doing a better job. I've noticed those do not disappear. No, they don't. And uh, we give them credit for that. And there's also another site out there that's you know, that bills itself and brands itself as the LinkedIn of weed. And that would be LeafWire. And that mm -hmm. is a, a, a group of uh, cannabis industry people, a place to go and, and network and talk to. Uh, Peter Vogel, the founder and CEO of that company, uh, is a friend of Pro Cannabis Media. We met two and a half years ago when I started this whole podcast thing. But I want to get back to uh, media responsibility for a second. And, you know, we've, yep. we've kind of set the scene about social media. And the one thing that bothers me is you don't remember this, I know, but back in the day, uh, the FCC was created to protect the public airwaves from people sharing misinformation or yelling fire in a crowded theater. They wanted to protect the airwaves while still supporting the First Amendment. Okay. Now what's happened is social media has been given a carte blanche to police themselves. And I am not preaching censorship here. I do not believe in censorship. However, I do believe in parameters. I do believe in here's what you can say that the public uh, can hear. And here's what you shouldn't say. You've already said you swore a couple of times already in our conversation. If this was a radio channel or a television channel, they would have to report that so that when they come up for a license, that counts against them, right? I mean, you've been there in that world, right? So yeah. what's the difference between delivering content over the air and Wi-Fi, which is where most of us now get our information through our tracking devices, okay? Because these are phones, folks, but if you don't recognize that you're being tracked, everything you do, where you go, what apps you're on, you are not understanding how far we have come as far as media goes. So my point is, why wouldn't Facebook have to apply for an FCC license? Why wouldn't YouTube have to apply for an FCC license? Isn't that what every commercial TV radio and station you and I have worked for has to do regularly? Yeah, I, I guess my issue with it is more from a standpoint of, let's just look at Facebook. Facebook is the primary spreader of misinformation on everything on the planet and yet here they are banning conversations about a medicine whether right. they are true or false and most of the stuff that's being put out there about cannabis is in fact true something that polls at 68 percent of americans now favor the legal cannabis so i guess i can't figure out the hypocrisy of facebook allowing a 
a U.S. election to be essentially hijacked by misinformation, but choosing to take a stand on cannabis, which is legal where all of these companies, including Facebook, exists, including where Instagram exists in California. It is head scratching, but it also makes no sense from a financial standpoint. I can't quite figure out why they have chosen this stance on it, but I guess we will continue to fight back and do what we can to navigate these weeds. Absolutely. Get, getting through the weeds in the weeds. Exactly. Keep in mind, and a lot of people don't recognize this about commercial media. The product of commercial media are eyeballs. How many people, how many times are seeing your message or tuning into your content? That's how they make their money. Okay. Um, so, it, you know, it's kind of a catch 22 because you want to make sure you have the best viewership. Okay. To me, I would like it to be reliant on best reporting. Balanced reporting would be good. Factual reporting would be good. But things have changed quite a bit now in the 21st century with media and technology. And the consumer gets to pick, again, where they watch, when they watch, how they watch. And again, we sit here and we ask for subscribers and likes and shares of what we're doing. In fact, I think we're only 80 subscribers away from eclipsing that 70,000, excuse me, 7,000. I jumped ahead a few years, okay? What's a few zeros among friends? Uh, 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. So please subscribe to our stuff on YouTube when you get a chance. Uh, and you'll be enlightened on all these shows that we've done. You know, Dave, I've probably, I was trying to, somebody asked me this today how many interviews I've done in the last two years. I've done over 500 interviews in two years with some of the smartest, most intelligent, educated, academician, ac people from college and higher education, right? And I don't mean higher on weed, higher ed, PhD types, than ever that I ever expect in a million years. And you and I both have spent plenty of times in locker rooms, okay? We're not talking about cannabinoids in locker rooms. We're not talking about the endocannabinoid system in locker rooms. We're talking about how do you feel? Who, you, you won the game. You probably feel pretty good about that. You know, what was going through your mind? I mean, do we need to go through some of the questions that we both have asked to different athletes? Uh, no. And isn't it fun for you now to talk to them as humans and, and realize what they went through and how they dealt with their pain and their pressures? And look what Simone Biles went through over the last week and a half, right? I mean, crazy. That's my shoot. You, you made about a thousand points. I'm not Thanks. sure which one. Pick one. <laughs> one you want me Just to react pick to? one. That's called but a rant. I, I rant I, sometimes. <laughs> I thought uh, Dr. Carl Hart made an interesting point because I was trying to make the point that I thought the media is coming a long way. I thought the, the mainstream media has come a long way and that I heard the Today Show talking about uh, joints for jabs in Washington, but then laughing it off. And that um, Colonel O'Brien smoked the joint on his final week on TBS with Seth Rogen. I thought these were huge moments. And Dr. Carl Hartigan, who's an author, he's at Columbia, studied drug use for the better part of 30 years. He was actually angered at how late night comedians he thinks are doing more damage to the conversation around cannabis. And I was surprised to hear that. Um, he thought the conversations he said were more like eight or nine or you know 10 year old kids making stupid immature jokes about cannabis like the guy on the couch with nachos or cheetos or whatever it is and, and and his point was that late night comedians who certainly for the most part 
indulge in cannabis are, are setting us back years, if not decades, by having these stupid, silly, immature conversations. I thought it was moving in the right direction. What pissed him off the most was that Stephen Colbert throughout all of COVID sat there with the drink just about every night. And to your point earlier, that was really cool. That was glamorized. That was a really neat thing. But why are we okay with that and not with someone sitting there with, and one of my favorite things, Jimmy, is I drink a lot of THC. Those tinctures you just picked up. I make cocktails and I just drop about five or 10 milligrams of tinctures in it. And that I want to really normalize. I think that's one of the places we are headed, a place where we are holding up a, a, a cannabis cocktail, a martini, a whatever it may be, no alcohol in that, but a mocktail with five to 10 milligrams of tincture in it. And let's get that normalized a little bit. Maybe the next time we have one of these conversations, I know you're not okay. You have this thing about smoking on the air. How about if we make a nice can of cocktail and sip it while on air? Are you game for that? Okay. Not only You're my not. game for that, but hang it just a second. Okay. There's nothing that motivates me more when somebody calls me out on a dare. Okay. I just want to say you fill. Hey, Dave, I know you know how to do this. You fill for, for 30 seconds and I'll be right back. Okay. You fill for plug the show tonight. Where could people find it? What time? I'll be right back. Okay. Eat it. So the conversation, I, I, I'm glad you all have checked it out. If you haven't, please do. It's on my YouTube page. It's always up on Pro Cannabis Media. Having conversations, fun, lighthearted, interesting, and I hope engaging conversations with these people. Darren McCarty is a four-time Stanley Cup champ. He's a Red Wings legend, one of the toughest dudes you'll ever meet. With all of my guests, we talk about the news in their particular industry. So with Megatron, we talked about the latest in the NFL with Paul Pierce, the latest in the NBA. And we talk hockey with Darren McCarty. He was involved in one of the greatest moments in hockey history, fight night at the Joe, March 26, 1997, Red Wings versus Avalanche. And he actually tells me what it felt like to deliver a staggering blow to Claude Lemieux of the Avalanche, who's one of my favorite players. So we always talk about sports. And then we talk about cannabis, or sometimes we weave in and out, kind of like you do, Jimmy, because Darren McCarty definitely likes to weave in and out. But he tells me how he had two main moments uh, with cannabis in his career. And one was when he had sports hernia surgery during his career, and he was a mess with the pharmaceuticals that the team doctors gave him. He couldn't sleep. The pain wasn't getting any better. He turned to cannabis, and that changed that injury and his career. He had another bout post-hockey where he was a, in his words, he was going to die. He was an alcoholic, out of control, gained weight. And he literally said, I probably wouldn't have lived another few weeks. So his wife, they did an intervention. They had him in the garage to, to clean up. But what got him through it, what's the name of the oil? The thick, black oil that uh, a lot of cancer patients use uh, can you rick, rick simpson oil rick simpson oil is is the one substance that darren mccarty said saved his life got him through those devastating few days in which he kicked alcohol and he plainly says i wouldn't be here without that oil without rick cannabis rick simpson oil and cannabis and those are some powerful stories so there are he, he's a great storyteller 
There are tons of them out there, and we get to talk about them on Pro Cannabis Media on a regular basis. And we ask you to like, share, and subscribe to our content at the 9 o'clock tonight, Wednesday. We're going to date it here because we are live. We can do that. Uh, Dave's uh, interview with Darren McCarty will live stream on the PCM TV network and you can find that on twitch you can find that on facebook youtube and also on our website procanvasmedia.com which i find to be the easiest place to find any of our content i just might say and by the way just for the record okay i got it here it is the levy i love these guys these guys infused, do a nice job right it even says celebrate right there so i'm going to celebrate the first in the weeds live on linkedin show by popping one, toasting to Dave Briggs for joining our team and also thanking my crew and everybody who believes in what we're doing here at Pro Cannabis Media because pretty much I'm going to be off the clock in just a matter of minutes. So for Dave Briggs, Dan French, our director, Isabel Turner, our production coordinator, and Sarah, our social media coordinator, thank you for watching. You. In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Cheers. We'll see you next Wednesday at 421.